minds, but um, I suppose it depends on your age. Um, maybe if it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Maybe if you're a teenager, you're thinking, whoa, school's starting, it's a new, a new year. It's, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to uh, develop myself with uh, my mathematics or my science. Um, maybe if you're in a businessman and you hear the word growth, uh, you think of, uh, is my business growing? Uh, we all want our businesses to grow. You know... Maybe after, after teen camp, if you're a parent, you're wondering if the teen camp has actually had any impact on your child that you might have lost hope for. Only joking. Just joking. Um, and uh, hoping that they come back and somehow they've grown um, in their love for God or in, an, in their understanding. You know, some of us save money. We hope that our investments grow. Um, you know, I, I speak to colleagues um, and um, many times we giggle and say, we're probably going to have to work until we're 90 years old, you know, with the current growth of, uh, of the markets. And if anyone's got some really cool investment ideas, please feel free to share uh, in, in, the, in the service afterwards. Um, energy bills. Inflation. Um, I just had a great summer holiday and, um, you know, I've had some growth sort of between my toes and my chin. Um, you can determine where that is. I've, that's why I'm wearing a jacket today. I'm only teasing. My daughter's, uh, my daughter's picked my, my jacket. You could be thinking of your waistline. I, I don't know what it is that you think of when you think of growth. But one thing I think you need to do to determine whether you're growing or not is you need to have a, you need to do a, a baseline check. You know, it's, 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 it's important. It's, it's, it's how maths works. It's like, how am I doing? And then am I growing or am I actually, is there a decline? Uh, some of us are very proactive when it comes to going for health checks. Uh, when I lived in America for three years, what I can tell you is Americans are very proactive about doing health checks. And... Um, it's funny because they actually have to pay uh, for their health care there, but there's definitely this attitude of prevention is better than cure. And um, for me, I think I've been to the doctor five times and um, for, for various reasons, whether it was uh, uh, a tummy ache or nothing, luckily nothing too significant. And I always used to pride myself about how few times I'd been to the doctors, and, and uh, some might uh, see that as uneducated. Uh, because clearly prevention should be better than care. And I was really convicted by Jamie May's message uh, a few weeks ago, just about the path to priesthood. And I must say, he sort of lost me with the, with the, with the actual top, the title of the message. It's like priesthood, that sounds stiff. It sounds, it sounds religious. It sounds, uh, it sounds uh, like it's very doctrinal based. It, I, I don't know, it sounds legalistic. But I left that sermon feeling quite convicted. And I thought, you know, I've been through a pandemic. Uh, we've all been through the pandemic. And we've spent two years in a very strange situation that none of us have ever experienced. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, well, why don't why didn't I just do a spiritual health check? I'm going to take Jamie's advice. And I really appreciated his vulnerability. And what I realized was that actually, 
Um, over the pandemic, bearing in mind our habit, which is our behaviors, takes about 66 days to form, okay, to form a new habit. We were stuck in the pandemic for two years. So I think maybe I developed some habits over the two years that, that weren't necessarily helpful for me spiritually. I did some assessment and found out that I'm a creature of comfort. And I actually went and uh, I bought a book, which I'll share about a bit later. Uh, it's all about habits and how they are formed and the science behind habits. But the reality of it is, is that all human beings tend to crave comfort. I realized that I became more self-reliant over the pandemic, spiritually. I realized that uh, because of all the uncertainty I think that the pandemic created, I became even more focused on seeking approval of men. You know, making sure that, um, making sure that I, my boss knew that I was doing a good job, because clearly if we need to make cuts during the pandemic, I mean, I'm going to be at the top of the list and make sure that they, when they start cutting at the bottom that I'm, that I'm, uh, I'm not there. I realized that I started skipping discipling times, getting input from uh, people in my marriage. One month went by. Whew, it's, it's, uh, nothing really bad's going on at the moment, so I'm sure we'll be okay. Second month goes by. Hmm. We still sort of seem okay, and then bam! All of a sudden, we find ourselves in a really difficult rut. Skip a quiet time here and there. What about giving financially to the church? Maybe tightening up a bit because of uncertainty. I don't know what it is for you, but I want to encourage you um, to, to really do a spiritual health check to see where you are. This is not uh, to, to ultimately improve your performance or, or anything like that, but it's good to just do a balance, just to see which are the areas that you can grow. You know, I've been studying the book of Matthew, so I went straight to the basics. And uh, the basics always helps us as Christians. And I found it amazing just to focus on Jesus. And I was amazed at how he fasted, he prayed, he woke up early. He seemed to have healthy habits. I could tell you that, that um, in my current role, I, I uh, look after EMEA and APAC. And if I need to decode that, effectively it means Europe, Middle East and Africa, Asia, PAC, Australia and New Zealand. And then I've got a boss that lives in San Francisco. So you can think of the time zones that I have to cover. So sometimes my last call would be at 8 o'clock in the evening, and my first call could be at 6.30. And um, everything in me wants to wake up at 6. Because it gives me, I, I, in terms of my behavioral habits, it takes about half an hour to get ready. Right? I like a warm shower. I like a cup of coffee. I have to, typically have to iron a shirt, and, um, and then it's about half an hour. And the, the point I'm trying to make is, is that it's easy for me to skip a quiet time. Now, you could argue that skipping a quiet time here and there is something that happens. 
But what I want to help you understand is that the ongoing behavioral change has an impact. And uh, what I got from this um, book was pretty scary in terms of the impact of our behavioral decisions that we make and the habits that we form. In Hebrews uh, 2, verse 1, if you turn your Bibles there, Hebrews is a book that's written to the Jewish Christians. The author is unknown, uh, but they're being persecuted. And uh, in Hebrews 2, verse 1, it says, we must, pay, uh, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. Yeah? The Hebrew author is calling its readers to pay attention to the truth that they've heard, so they do not drift away to false teachings. You know, paying careful attention is hard work. It involves our mind, our body, and our senses. Now, the interesting point I wanted to call out here was drift. What I realized when I started doing the health check is, is how like, slowly things, it's just small little things, and then before you know it, I don't know if you've ever, well, hopefully you've never. I went to Durban once, um, which is a coastal city in South Africa, and the sea is a lot more intense in Durban than Cape Town. Cape Town, you can walk in for three kilometers and you're still at your knees and you're having fun. In Durban, you do one meter, you can't stand anymore, and there's currents, and it's a really powerful ocean. And I remember just swimming, and then all of a sudden, when I was looking up again, I was caught in a current. And luckily, somehow, because if you try and swim against this current, it doesn't really work, I managed to, by God's grace, get through on the rocks. But I could have easily been taken out. But it happened so quickly. And the Hebrew writers warning the Christians, saying, listen, guys, be careful that you don't drift. My ask of you is, where are you drifting spiritually? And sometimes we don't know is the truth, right? And so that's why we need people, to Fabian's point, those tall trees is a network of being in the fellowship, getting input into your marriage. And what I've noticed, even talking to people in the church, is that our convictions have drifted. Basic things. Um, like um, getting input. I, I tend to see a, there's, there's quite a few people that just don't really get any input uh, into their lives. I don't know if that's God's design. I don't know if that's what I read in the scriptures. If you look at uh, Hebrews... Uh, Hebrews 10, if we continue in Hebrews 10, and we go to verse 19 to 25, for some of the, uh, maybe you've been a Christian for a while. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. 
For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, the Hebrew writers reminding the Christians, listen, I know you're being tempted and persecuted. And I know in the environment that you're in, people are tending to focus on the, the old law where you have to take your animals and sacrifice them. And you can just imagine the struggle that they had with thinking about, is Jesus the ultimate sacrifice or am I going to fit into the community and am I just going to sort of just go and sacrifice a few animals, potentially, and totally forget this amazing gift that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. You see, sometimes we can, our convictions can get slightly watered down and it still feels okay. It's still, you're still fitting in. And I had to ask myself during this spiritual assessment, what separates me from my neighbor who goes to the church around the corner? I mean, not that I'm, I mean, I'm not putting anyone on any levels. I'm not judgmental. But what separates me from the person, my neighbor across the road who doesn't even physically go to church? What is different in me? How do I engage with people? How do I manage my time? How do I manage my finances? How do I love people? How do I care? How, what's my thinking? Do I think differently? And uh, it's easy for me to be religious. It's easy for me to tick boxes. It's automatic. It's a natural... I mean, we've been... I don't know. I've been a Christian, uh, I think it's 22 years. It's a natural motion to come to church. But in my heart, I, I can honestly say that there, there's times that I'm not connected to God, even though these behavioral shifts and changes are being made. So, habits. If you ever, wanna, if you ever feel like you're stuck just doing something and you can't make the shift, I want to encourage you to, to order a book called, it's the bottom one. I couldn't find a picture with just one. So don't worry about the top one. It's just the bottom one. Atomic Habits by James Clear. So what is a habit? A settled and regular tendency or practice, especially one that's hard to give up. So what I wanted to ask the audience was, can you share some habits with me that you have in your families? It doesn't have to be a good habit that you regularly do that's, uh, that's positive. Anyone who's got a who's got a family habit, or maybe it's a personal habit that you. Um, one that we started since the pandemic is that we built a, a walk every day. You built a? Oh, you go for walks, yeah. We go for family walks. That's great. Is that on a Sunday or a? Every day. Brilliant. Well, that's a good ha that's a good healthy habit. Anyone else? Anyone else has got habits? Me and Tom are on the dinner table. Yeah, that's a great one. Anyone else got really cool habits? Making your bed every morning. Yeah. I know that sounds. Uh, I know that sounds like not much, but 
there's, 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 there's uh, studies to prove that even if nothing else works in your day and you've made your bed, you can go to bed with the bedroom. <laughs> That's awesome. Bacon and eggs, can't beat that. Glass of water? Every day, a glass of water. That's, that's great. Having dinner together as a family every day. Dinner as a family together every day. That's awesome. Okay, now for a bit more challenging one. What about people older than 40 that can share any new habits that you've recently formed? Cycling every Tuesday and Thursday. Come on. That's awesome. Finishing at least one novel every holiday. Finishing at least one novel every holiday. That's, uh, that's an amazing woman. But <laughs> biasly. Walking and praying together. Walking and praying together. Is that daily? Yeah. Amen. Going to a volleyball club. That's really cool. That's really awesome. So yeah, I think um, what I realize is your behaviors are a reflection of your identity. When I read that, I was really scared. I was like, your behaviors is a reflection of your identity. And as a Christian, I mean, my identity is in Christ. It's like, wow. Your behaviors are a reflection of your identity. Just a, just a health check for yourself. What are your behaviors? You know, um, this is quite uh, inspiring, actually. Um, not, not, not necessarily. There was... Um, <laughs> yeah, Ian, this is a study on Ian. Can I, can I just get a, a hand quickly as it relates to who's, who's into cycling here? Okay, so we've got quite a few cyclists. Oh, Richard, there we go. Okay. So, so most of you would know uh, Sir David Brailsford, right? So what Sir David did was he, uh, he decided to change British cycling, um, the trajectory, which wasn't great at the time because I think the last, before he got involved with cycling, British cycling team won the last gold medal in 1908, okay? uh, which is quite a long time away. And it took about 100 years for a British cyclist to even win anything in cycling. In fact, the manufacturers of bicycles didn't want to sell their brand to a British cyclist in, 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 the, in, the, in the fear that it would damage the reputation of the manufacturer's cycling. So, so God sends Sir John Brailsford uh, to, to, help, uh, to help the England. And what he, what he, he, he had this concept of marginal gains. We've all heard the concept of 1% better. And what he did was is he had a look at what the cyclists were doing. And, um, I mean, it's, it was mind-blowing. There's a whole book on this, so you can read it. But I'll give you some snippets on what he changed. So he redesigned the, bi the, bicycling, the bi bicycle seats. He redesigned the bicycle seats to make it more comfortable, which is, yeah, that seems reasonable. don't know if you've ever been on a bike longer than five miles. It does start getting uncomfortable. He rubbed alcohol on the tires to get better grip. It seems okay. Okay. Uh, he, he got the team to wear electrically heated shorts to maintain the ideal muscle temperature. I mean, that's, uh, they had biofeedback bio sensors in each rider to track how they responded to different training. 
They tested various fabrics for indoor and outdoor cycling suits. They, um, they even hired a surgeon to determine how each cyclist should wash their hands to reduce catching, catching a cold. They selected specific pillows, specific mattresses for every race that they went on. And they even painted the van that they transported the, the equipment in white inside so that they could spot any dust particles on the bicycle, uh, which are obviously highly tuned, um, highly tuned, um, very expensive bicycles. And I'm sure, if, is Jonty here? I think I saw, is he with the teens? Where's Jonty? Oh, he's with the teens. Well, Jonty would know everything about performance. He's a Formula One engineer working on the, on the McLaren motor vehicle, just seeing what they can do. So what was the impact of these things? In 2008 Olympics, the, Olympic, the British Olympic cycling team won 60% of all gold medals available. Um, over the years, the British cyclists won the Tour de France seven times. During a 10-year span between 2007 and 2017, British cyclists won 178 world championships, 66 Olympic or Paralympic gold medals, and five Tour de France victories, and it is widely regarded the most successful run in cycling history. Why do I share this with you? Because sometimes, as human beings, we want to make shifts, behavioral shifts. But, but sometimes we... Okay, that, that tells me people are sleeping in the audience. That's the monitor. Okay, now I'm only teasing. The, the, the point is, is sometimes we look for making big... It's going to take too much effort... But in the reality, of, the reality of it is, it's the small things. It's the small little things that you can tweak in your behaviors as a Christian. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's the temptation not to book that next, um, you know, a holiday every week of the year. Okay, because guess what? You probably won't make it to the fellowship. That's a conviction you should have. Right? It's easy to book these days. You go to booking.com, you don't even have to use your credit card. And guess what? You can cancel it three hours before you arrive. Right? That was something I had to check myself, just in terms of a small tweak. Yeah, we went to Greece, and then we went into London, and then we went to there. And before I know it, I haven't actually been to church for six weeks. Is it wrong to go on holiday? No. Is it... Is there going to be an impact if I don't have communion with my fellow disciples for six weeks? Probably. Is it instant? No. Will I see it maybe in two years' time? Probably. Somewhere in my marriage? Somewhere in my parenting? All the decisions we make has an impact. Right? It's... Uh, you can say, well, I'm not growing as a Christian. I'm really happy with where I'm at. Well, guess what? You're probably not growing. You're probably declining. It's just, it's, just, it's just how it works. So what, is, what does the Bible say about growth? Take a look in 2 Peter. This is a really inspiring passage. 2 Peter 1, verse 3 to 11. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to your goodness knowledge, and to your knowledge self-control, and self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers, make every effort to conform, confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The first thing is, the power to grow doesn't come from us, it comes from God. You know, I read this book about the habits, and I was inspired by the cyclists and all of these things, and I realized, like, the guy who wrote this book has got no idea what power we've got as Christians. Like, honestly, if we really realized what we could tap into, we could transform. We have been transformed. Most of us, remember when you studied the Bible for the first time, you were transformed. You were impacted. I, I was swearing, and then I didn't swear. I was, I was going to certain places, and I stopped going to certain places. I was grumpy. I'm still grumpy. Now I'm joking. <laughs> the, the, the point is, is that, like, we, we transformed. The Bible had an impact on us, and we changed. But God's power. You know, Peter lists, lists several of the faith actions in these things. Learning to know God better. Check. Are you learning to know God better? Are you growing? Yes or no? It's a simple, it's a simple question you ask yourself. Are you? Have you been? Developing perseverance. It's, 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 it's tough doing the right thing. It's not easy. You know, I was sat at work the other day, and it's a, it's a very lovely colleague of mine, and um, he, he, kept, he kept blaspheming. So I said, I said, I didn't realize you were that religious. And he looked at me going, what do you mean? I'm not religious. I'm like, you keep, you keep, you keep uh, blaspheming. You keep saying, you know, Jesus' name out of context. So oh, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Really sorry. As we're sitting and continue to work, the next thing popped up, blaspheming. So now it's like, do I, do, I, do I continue just to remind him that I'm not really that excited about what he said, or do I just let it go? Sort of let it go. Next, next, you're still being religious. Can you please stop? It's, I don't, I don't, it's not appropriate. Oh, sorry, oh, absolutely. That's not, I think he, like, he said it again four minutes later. The point here is, is that we build behaviors. It's automatic. It does, we do things we don't even know we're doing it. Now, he's, he's got a kind soul, you know, it's, 
But I, I felt all morning um, in my quiet time looking at Jesus' convictions. How could I sit there at work and allow this, this individual, without them really realizing the context of it, doing something? That's doing God's will. It's difficult. It's not designed to be easy. How about you? At work, at school, do people know that you're different? Do people know that you're a Christian? Here's my religious act. Everyone in my company knows that I'm a Christian. So what? And sometimes I pause there and go, okay, well, I've told everyone I'm a Christian. The Bible says I need to coach and teach and develop and train and share my faith, encourage them to, to read the Bible. It doesn't say just share that you're a Christian. So that's my challenge. I don't know what it is for you. Right? Loving others. Sharing God's word is loving people. It's not an ICOC thing. It's not a doctrinal thing to go, well, I'm not going to share my faith because that's what the old church did. And I think somehow we tend to swing. The pendulum swings. We, we go from, oh my goodness, that was legalistic, to doing nothing. I want to encourage you. Like when Jamie shared that he hadn't studied the Bible with someone for a long time, guess what? That's an automatic behavior that, and a habit that just kicks in. Well, guess what? I mean, I, I've still studied the Bible with people. And six months later, you would still not have studied the Bible with anyone. And guess what? In a year's time, you wouldn't have studied the Bible. And actually, in two years' time, you've forgotten the Bible studies and you just don't even know what to say. It's okay. There's mercy. There's grace. There's all of these things. But the Bible encourages us to love people. Helping someone with their Tesco bags is great. It's encouraging. Helping someone see God's word and it fundamentally shifts the trajectory of their life, is mind-blowing. It happened to us. That's what God's calling us to do. If we go back to this graph, you'll notice, I don't know, you'll see the graph going up. So the, the purpose of this book was, and this is not a, I'm not trying to, you know, get us to be performance-based Christians. I'm just sharing with you what happens with habits. Um, is if you just get 1% better every day, the compound impact is by the end of the year, you'll be 37 times stronger with whatever that habit is. But it's the same for making poor decisions. Right? You just, you just go flatter. Actually, within a year, you go down to zero. That's the impact. And for me, honestly, like in the pandemic, there are some positive things. I think we learned a lot in the pandemic about being, not being busy bodies all the time and like actually paying a bit of attention to our families. The scary thing is, is that the divorce rate in this country went through the roof because people started realizing who they got married to for the first time. But as Christians, we can sit here and we can go, hey, you know, I have to spend more time with my family. But my point is, is that the compound impact for making small, good decisions, I don't know what it is for you. I just want to encourage you to make some good, small decisions. Shifting behaviors every day, small little movements. It says there, um, if I just read this, my, even though I've got my glasses, it's pretty small. It says, in the beginning, there's basically no difference between making a choice that is 1% better or 1% worse. 
In other words, you won't, uh, it won't impact you very much today. But as time goes, these small improvements or declines compound, and you suddenly find a very big gap between people who make slightly better decisions on a daily basis and those who don't. So what is it for you, you know, as it relates to some of the decisions you need to make? Here's another eye-watering chart. Okay. So results, because we like instant gratification, right? That's why we like chocolate. It's easy. You open the chocolate, you put it in, it's instant. The sugar kicks in, right? The things that we don't like doing is the things that take a bit longer. Like, I went to the gym for a month before I went to Madrid, ran three miles three times a day, and I hardly saw any difference. Guess what? I gave up and went to Greece for two weeks and then came back and trying to get back onto it. But the point is, is sometimes we're looking for instant results in our character. Character things take a while to, 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 to change, yeah. right? And so what we think is that it's pretty linear. What science teaches us is that actually there's this valley of disappointment. And unfortunately, most people give up in the valley. And what science teaches us is if we keep pushing through what they refer to as the plateau of latent potential, we actually form that habit. And it becomes an automatic thing and something that we do. Here's the amazing thing for Christians. This was all science for business people and sports people and everyone wants to become better and push through and keep training. In 2 Peter it says, His his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. So in that valley of disappointment, as Christians, we've got access to God's Holy Spirit that helps us push through if we allow Him to. So the question is, is are you self-reliant with your goals or your habits that you want to shift? Or do you really understand where it comes from and that motivation propels you to make the changes that you need to make? In Romans 12, we are reminded... It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve that God, uh, what God's will is, his power, um, His goodness, pleasing, and perfect will. What patterns are you following? You see, there's patterns that follow a God-focused, Christ-focused life. And there's patterns that this world and society is competing with. And I think, I think what I realized in not being connected with the church over a two-year period as much, regularly meeting, um, you know, choosing to play the cricket game on my phone. It's a really cool game, by the way. I'll share it with you after. Uh, but for 45 minutes, instead of phoning a brother and saying, how are you doing? I feel like the worldly pattern has crept into my life. The writer is saying, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't, don't, don't get religious when you, when you read scripture. Just look at what your behaviors are. That, that's, my assess, that's my ask of you, is just look at your behaviors. Because it's easy for us to feel reasonably okay. But it's your behaviors that ultimately determine where you're really at. But I want to encourage you that, that fundamentally it is God's power. It's not us. And that should make you really excited about all, the, all of the habits and behaviors and the things that you just fed up with. That if you commit to them and decide to make small little tweaks, you can see a significant impact. So here's some questions. In which areas of your discipleship have you been drifting? The reality is, as I shared, I think the last time I preached, that probably 70% of this room will not remember a single word that I shared by Saturday. Okay, some of us have better memories than others. Okay, so I know it's challenging. But this is why I think it's important for you to actually have some questions and go and work through this in your Bible study. In which areas of your discipleship have you been drifting? Who can you talk to about this? Will you pray with someone about it? Choose two areas of your life in which you want to improve by 1% every day. 1%. Remember the 37% compound interest? My grandfather was an accountant. He always said, Marlon, I love compound interest. He was, uh, he was a businessman. But, like, it's uh, it, it, God, God's in control of all science, too. Uh, which unhealthy habits can you swap out for a healthy one? You can't see the end there. But that's just, what unhealthy spiritual habits have you created and developed? You see, God's word isn't, it's not, it's not a buffet. Because, we've, we, because we drift and shift and change, God's word stays the same. And there's power in it. He expects us to follow his word. If he says, confess your sins to one another, it's not a suggestion. You can choose whether you do it or not. My ask of you is, when have you really got on the phone and confessed your sin to someone? Or got support or help or just been open, whether it's your spouse. Whatever it is, I know these are challenging questions. And depending on our journey of faith, it triggers different emotions. Unfortunately, God's word is God's word. And how we feel about it is irrelevant. And we've got a choice we do have a choice. I'll finish off just with this really encouraging psalm. And uh, I've, apparently my daughters have shared with me that I've got at least 24 grey streaks that are coming through. So if, you, if you're slightly older, I don't use any dye for those of you who maybe wonder. I do have them coming through. Um, so f especially for the older crowd, this is really inspiring. It says in Psalm 92... Verse 12 to 14, it says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like the cedar of Lebanon. 
planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, and they will stay fresh and green. I think we serve a God who has a growth mindset. I think Jesus had a, a mindset, a growth mindset, spiritual growth. There's, ironically, I looked up, there's 60 times the word discipline appears in the Bible. It's quite ironic that it takes 60 odd days to form a habit. My, my point is this, is that it's not easy. It's not easy being a Christian, but it's, 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 a, it's a privilege. It's an absolute privilege to serve a God, to know the truth. And when you do it wholeheartedly, and you make the changes he's, he's encouraging you to make, then that love for him just deepens. And your ability to have an impact in this world grows. So thank you for listening. Hopefully that encouraged you, challenged you, um, inspired you, motivated you. Let's get to the gym. Amen. Yeah. Yeah.